It's Thursday, September 28th, 2023, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 294, Courage the Cowardly Dog Vibes. Runtime for this episode is 58 minutes. Welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that is traumatized by our childhood media. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Uh, today we played Majora's Mask. Today. Today. <laughs> wow, I mean... Which we called because Tears of the Kingdom is coming out soon. <laughs> really? How does it look, guys? Pretty good. I don't know. I haven't actually, like... I've been trying to keep myself spoiler-free. Um, I have been, too. It's been very difficult. Because I've only played 15 hours, because whenever I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, I'm having the time of my goddamn life, and then I don't do it more. (laughs) (laughs) Have you beaten it yet, Tyler? I'm not playing it. Alex is. Has Alex beaten it yet? No. Because this is her first ever 3D game that requires two thumbsticks to control. I thought she played Breath of the Wild. No. she Well, a little bit. Yeah, so she tried to play Breath of the Wild, and mostly... Got to a point where she realized that she had already seen the entire game because she watched me play it. Um, And And lost interest? Yeah, and part of the game is exploration, so uh, we made a pact wherein she would play Tears of the Kingdom first, and then I would play it after her, so I am trying to avoid watching it as much as possible. I'm just trying to avoid hearing things, and I think I've mostly done it. There's definitely been a few things where I've been skipping through podcasts talking about it and listening to see if they were done yet. I heard little things that my brain has put together, but I might have put them together wrong. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about you saying that, that, that Alex hasn't played any twin stick games, and I'm just like, man... I don't even remember when I first started doing that. It's so natural at this point. It would have been like PlayStation era, right? I think it was Xbox for me. Yeah, it was either Xbox or PS2 for me. Thinking about it, I think Halo was my first twin stick shoot or twin stick game. But also you'd played like mouse and keyboard shooters before that, right? And like Not really. No? Not I... at that time, to- not at that time. And I had some experience with like GoldenEye obviously with well, it didn't have two sticks. It did have the two modes of aiming. It's the precursor to that, for sure. Mm-hmm. So we don't have much insight on Tears of the Kingdom, but it's good. I have beaten one boss. It was kind of BS in its mechanics, but was also super fun, so I think I let it off for that. <laughs> Which one did you do first? Uh, the wind one. Okay, that's also the one Alex did at first. That's like the centipede thing that you yeah. had to dive through repeatedly. I'd never dived through it. My brother is also what like, I just shot arrows at it because I had like 600 arrows because this game can't not give me arrows. So you just turned it into a pin cushion. Yeah. And that's always how I break ice because I don't want to like sometimes I'll throw stuff at it. But most of the time to break ice, I don't want to be standing on it when I break it. So I will shoot arrows at it to make sure there's nothing under it that I don't want to deal with. So it was a guy with ice on him. I'm like, time to shoot arrows at him. <laughs> Which, yeah, I was going to say it just trained you the entire time for that purpose. Also, I had a problem with that dungeon where I didn't, I didn't grok. The game tells you, hey, go interact with that to start the dungeon. But just for whatever reason, I didn't read that as what the thing was telling me. So I literally explored the entire dungeon, unable to interact with it before I turned the dungeon on. (laughs) So I had a really weird experience where I had solved all the puzzles before I could do any of them. (laughs) And I'm like, why isn't this working? I'm sure this is what I'm supposed to do. What what would happen at that point? Did you just like give up and like yeah. go explore somewhere else? <laughs> yeah. Like I guess I have to do something else first. <laughs> and then you came back in and it was like, oh, it's literally just a button right here to turn it on. Yeah. Well, th- then I died and it didn't checkpoint me in there because I hadn't turned it on yet, and that's what clued me in that I had to get back there, which didn't seem right. <laughs> I have more I've been playing, but let's not break with tradition too much. Zach, what have you been playing? So the thing I was afraid of happening with regards to this game did indeed happen. I picked up the Switch like extended thing to have access to Game Boy Advance games and Nintendo 64 games and played all the way through Blazing Blade. <laughs> it's a good game, mostly. It's got some bad design in it, but like if you've played it as many times as you and I have, you can more than compensate. 
I think it's my favorite Fire Emblem. I don't like it as much as Path of Radiance, and I wake Awakening differently. I don't know if I like Awakening more, but I like it different. See, Path of Radiance might have taken that from it, but I don't own Path of Radiance. I owned Radiant Dawn, and Radiant Dawn is a significant step down from Path of Radiance. Yeah. So I've only ever played Path of Radiance once. I do really feel like Blazing Blade is the one that really hit the right difficulty, right? Because mm-hmm. even Path of Radiance is easy. It's easier to ignore the stuff that makes it easy, though. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to do it in a Korean. I'm saving it for a later way, so it doesn't feel <laughs> like you're just ignoring mechanics. Yeah, so that game's still very good. It's probably the only Game Boy Advance game worth playing on the Switch. I don't know what else is on it. Yeah, I'll say, what else is on it? I honestly have no Uh, idea. Actually, I think Super Mario 3 might be on there. Which, worth playing, but you should just play the NES version that's on there. Yeah, I think it's actually Super Mario All-Stars. Okay. Uh, Wait, yeah, I think it is the Game Boy Advance port of the Super Nintendo (laughs) game, Super Mario All-Stars, which was a port of a bunch of NES games. I think, I think Reckonoken Blazing Blade might be the only Game Boy Advance game I looked at and was like, oh yeah. This is one I really would like to play. The rest of them, I'm like, I, why? You're not a big Nintendo guy, though, so there might be some gems on there that you just don't think of. Also, it could be the only good game on there. I don't know what's on there. Are you looking it up, Tyler, or are you... Uh, no, I was looking up where we ranked Reckonoken. Oh. Uh, 14. Yeah, I was going... Oh, that's higher than I thought. I thought it would have been in the 20s. Let's I probably the, really fought for it. The other Fire Emblem we played is... Sacred some, Stones. Which yeah, is, Sacred Stones is a fair bit lower, but also still pretty high. That's 44. Uh, yeah, so. I would have guessed 50s for that. So they're both a little higher than I would expect, but not much. Fire Emblem games tend to be pretty good. Um, and staying on that, I played all the way through Fire Emblem Engage. I forgot that came out. How is Colgate? Toothpaste Chan is fine. <laughs> um, the game is okay. It has the problem I've noticed with modern Fire Emblem games in that they just give you way too many characters. I feel like that's all Fire Emblem games, honestly. And and to be fair to Three Houses, you had to actively pursue to have too many characters. Like, they gave you enough characters and you could get all of the other ones. Yeah, like, that one was fine. I was just thinking, like, in Reckon Ken, like, you have maybe 10, 12 characters it gives you. And then, like, you have to recruit Guy. Like, you have to go out of your way to try and recruit him. They definitely, Same with Raven. They definitely don't want you to miss stuff anymore, right? And I wonder if that's a consequence of the internet era of like, oh man, I missed that guy. Now I have to feel like I restart after restart, as opposed to it uh, in the days of old, they are trying to sell you a strategy guide, right? So they could sell you telling you that, oh man, you have to talk to guy with Matt <laughs> if you want guy. In this one, you've got like five kingdoms. Each one has two royals and they come with their two retainers. So that's so many characters. An absolute ton of characters. It might, on, it might Some be, would say. It might only be four four kingdoms, plus their two retainers each. The problem with it comes in is, like, why use anybody but the nobles? Because they all have better stats. That is largely my problem with Fire Emblem, even from the limited experience I've had with it. That's another place I think Blazing Blade is pretty good, is that a lot of characters are viable in that. You can get lucky with some or unlucky with some and change that. Uh, Same with Awakening. It's one of the reasons I like it so much is that lots of the characters are viable. And also because of the eugenics in there, there are trade-offs to <laughs> like, well, I don't love this person, but they're going to father the best child. So <laughs> Blazing Blade, the easy, like the, the strategy for dummies is you put Hector and Oswin together and then just steamroll from one side of the out- map to the other. Once you get them, you back them up with Canis and Pent. And it's just like, yes, I win. <laughs> so yeah, Fire Emblem Engage, not a bad game. It's... Not a great game. It wanted to be kind of like a celebration of all the Fire Emblem games. So that's why you have the Engage Rings. Which yeah, the rings. The main characters. Well, the main characters of each game in I, them. I feel like that's the real thing that's poisoned Fire Emblem is the like sudden need to sell nostalgia, right? The fact that Smash has 57 different Fire Emblem characters and that's their main marketing tool, so they feel compelled to put all those characters in all their games somehow, it, and this, they're selling amiibos of them. In this case, it was it, it feels okay because it's an anniversary game. Like it's the it's like the thirtieth anniversary of Fire Emblem. So like okay, fine, In- include stuff like that. Although it is a little weird that of all the games in there, the main character of Blazing Blade is actually not 
either of the rings that are available for it. Because there's a D- there's a DLC that includes five additional characters. Okay. Um, Soren, who you don't know who he is. Nope. He is a character from Radiant Dawn slash Path of Radiance. He's a wizard. He's a wizard. Camilla, who, duh, of course she's going to be in there. She's a boobs. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as Fire Emblem If was announced, everybody was looting Camilla, and like this is the favorite character. Um, some character out of Fire Emblem Heroes that nobody cares about. Uh, Crom and Robin from Awakening. And- As a single <laughs> item? Yes. Okay. You mean from Smash? Continue. <laughs> and Hector. Yeah, Zach, no one likes Elowood. And they already have Roy, a character people know. They'd be like, why did they misname this Roy Elowood? Because <laughs> the other one is Lynn. Like, Lynn is in the base game. Hector is the expansion pack character. Okay. Each one of them does special things. The main problem with the rings is they give you so much additional power. And also the fact that the game is like, you can grind. And I'm like, gross. <laughs> okay. That seems just like the problem with Japanese tactical RPGs right now is they just want to give you all of the power. Like, if you give me the engage rings, okay, that's fine. But at the same time, then don't make, then I don't need to grind. Like, I shouldn't need to grind, feel I need to grind in the, in the game in order to do much. But there is only one stage I think is actually hard. You're basically being chased by a bunch of people who have all the all the available rings at the time and you have none because story events have happened. So that one is kind of a challenge because they still use the rings abilities against okay. you. And some of them are really nasty. So, But you're also given the rewind mechanic. Although that's also why that level is hard. You don't have that for the first half of the level. Ah, it's a fine game. Like it's, I'd say it's worth sixty bucks. But I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan, so what do I know? But it's it's pretty good. Let's see what what else have I been playing? I'm still playing a lot of League because, of course, I am. I've recently been on a Digimon Cyber Sleuth kick again. <laughs> Look, that game is surprisingly good. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I might go back to the first one again at some point, but. I don't know. There's another Digimon game on Steam that's on... It's just a, Digimon Survive is out now. I should play it. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. That's fair. Because it is kind of pricey. And it is one of the games that is like, this is on the list of games I want to buy, like Armored Core, Baldur's Gate, and Payday 3. But I'm also like, I don't really have the money because I have bought too much Warhammer. I know that feel. <laughs> Straight into the forge. Played a couple of games of 10th of 40k. That was Those were fun. Um, watching Jeremy vaporize all three of his Inceptors were, was great. Yep, I rolled three ones on 3d6. <laughs> Very low chance odds, but there it was. To be fair, they did kill all three of the, or all four of the models they were shooting at. They just then killed themselves. Yeah, they just also died in the process. It was hilarious. But yeah, I was there any, has there been anything else I have been playing? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, most, I, a bunch of the phone games, but those aren't interesting to talk about. I did try Honkai Star Rail since we started, since we last recorded. I'm sorry, one more time? Uh, Hon- it's, Honkai Star Rail, it's one of those Hoyoverse games. It's uh, Genshin Impact in space. Honkai, I thought you meant like honk I. <laughs> I'm like, the what now? <laughs> it's, it's spelled honk I. It's not bad. I mean, it's 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 a gotcha game in space, like. There's a train. There's a hot hacker chick. That's, these are all the things I know about Honkai Star Rail. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I like I said, beat Fire Emblem Engage, beat Fire Emblem Blazing Blade. I might start. I'm actually thinking of playing Awakening again. I keep dipping into Super Robot Wars 30, but I can only play like one or two stages because that game got really easy to make your characters obscenely powerful, which so makes like, it kind of easy. If I accidentally, my main character accidentally one shot enemies. Sounds right. You just have to not take him, and then you feel <laughs> wrong. What have you been playing, Tyler? A whole, whole litany of things. One of them was actually one of the games on the Game Boy Advance uh, virtual console that I forgot existed, uh, which is Minish Cap. Oh, that reminds me. There, I played a bit of the Pokemon trading card game because it's available. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, this is not a good game, but I'm having nostalgia vibes right now. Minish Cap is on the smallest of Zelda games I haven't played, but I bet it's worth playing. It's pretty good. I don't know where it falls on my personal list, but like it's, it's pretty good. But yeah, no, I played Minish Cap. Um, was pretty good. I did not 100% it because there is a non-trivial amount of luck involved in 100%ing that game. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I've watched a YouTube video three times. Com- have not committed it to memory at all, but about the worst heart piece in the history of Zelda, which is in that game. Yep. 
Um, you have to get like lucky for it to drop or something? So there are a second in-game currency that are shells, and you can kind of just pick them up. But you can only hold like 900 of them at a time. It's 999 because it's a video game. And as you just play the game, you'll find chests that have a couple hundred of them. Great. But at some point, you have a couple hundred of them, and then you can't carry anymore. And there's a guy who only accepts chests in exchange for figurines. And one of the heart pieces is you have to get all the figurines in the game. And the more of them you have, the less likely you are to get a new one. And the way you increase your chances is by spending more of these shells. And there's a bunch of unskippable dialogue that you have to do every single time. I got about two-thirds of the way through the figurine collection before I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm not doing. I'm not 100%ing this Zelda game. This is probably one of the ones I never will. Ah, uh, gross. That sounds so unfun. It's really unfortunate because so much of the rest of the game is like really well designed, and they give you a lot, a lot of like quality of life features. And then there's this nonsense just like in the middle of it. I don't know. It's very frustrating. What else have I played? Oh, have I talked about Deceive? Do you guys? I know you have. I don't know if it was on the mics. That's fair. Um. James turned me on to this because it had a free weekend. It is a three-person cooperative slash counteroperative like spy game where you can like disguise yourself as NPCs and your goal is to like gather a bunch of intel to go unlock a safe so that you can get a package and then get to an escape vehicle. So there's like five different ways you can win the game and you're playing against three other teams at the same time. It is just a, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Um, I haven't put a huge amount of time into it, but like, it's a really novel concept for a first person shooter. It's like almost like a, uh, like a prop hunt game, but just way more in depth. Interesting. We started playing a, speaking of board games, a, uh, game called Familiar Tales, which is a deck builder slash story builder. Um, and you like, it's a campaign game and you end up like creating, unique decks over the course of the game um and it's got like a million people who voice act a bunch of like completely optional lines that you may just miss and like that's really cool to me the fact that someone made that game in the modern era let's hear i played spirit fair don't have a whole lot to say about it it was highly recommended as like a cozy game i like the concept a lot but it's way up its own ass about how cool it thinks it is and it's not that cool. So <laughs> I feel like if I'm looking for some kind of cozy kill time game, I'm probably going to Satisfactory. But I'm also weird. Yep. I did maybe pitch, so Alex has like a fancy functioning computer these days, and I think it actually has better specs than mine. And she's like, Except for graphics card. I think, it, it, oh, well, yeah, because it's got your graphics card. It has my fair. old one in it. Um, It might be better than my graphics card still. So I have a very old graphics card. That's fair. But she was saying that she might play some Satisfactory. I'm like, I, I want to make this happen. Let's hear, ooh, Ghost Runner um, is a obnoxiously hard first-person platformer puzzle shooter thing. Ghost Runner? Yeah. Um, it's a cyberpunk, like, parkour game. Um, not, not any relation to Ghostwire? Nope, nope, that's next on my list, though, so... <laughs> I thought you were getting them mixed up, because I've never heard of Ghost Runner. No, uh, it's not a... I don't think it got super popular, but it's a lot of fun. It's like, if you like like meat boy and like like really hard fast technical challenge games it is really good for that but yeah no ghostwire is next on my list i, I talked about it off mics a fair amount but mostly it was eh. um, <laughs> it sure was a generic open world game that's very japanese themed the coolest thing about it is that it's very japanese themed and you do shoot giant fireballs and that's not as fun as it sounds like it should be so <laughs> i did basically 100 percent that game though i don't know it was like really in the mood for fetch quest type thing that that's not uh, like go go hunt down the object sort of things and the game has a lot of go hunt down the object tyler we do refer to those as fetch quests that's fair <laughs> the, the the problem is it turns into like assassin's creed where it just has so many things and like none like the world is very dense with tiny little things to do and none of them are satisfying should more nerds just name their dog quest <laughs> No, but then you're asking Quest to fetch, yeah. and I don't... fetch Quest. I'm almost Thanks out of... Thanks for explaining the joke. Yep. Okay, I've got, like, two. Uh, one, I hit Platinum 3 in Street Fighter, which I think is the best I've ever been at a 2D fighter. Congratulations. Uh, I'm really happy with it. I only play Marisa, because she's the easiest character and requires zero combo skill. But I'm learning how to combo anyway, so I think she's a very good introductory character for me. 
you think given the amount of 2D fighters I've, I've played, I would actually be decent at them, but it turns out I am pretty trash garbage. Most humans are trash garbage <laughs> at fighting games. That's fair. That's one of the things that makes them great and terrible. <laughs> I should play more Melty Blood. Melty Blood. I've heard very good things about Melty Blood, which I've, I've played zero of. I have tried it. It is interesting. It's an Arxis Works fighter, so it can only be so bad. Okay, last two things. Um, I replayed Slime Rancher now that it's actually complete. Fun game. It wasn't? It, not the last time I played. Um, it didn't have an ending yet. Um, and now oh. it has an ending and some post-game content. So. Cool. Yep, no, fun game. Would recommend. Um, I had Quantum Mosaic Slimes at one. Alex and I sat down and made a spreadsheet to optimize my ranch. And then it turns out I was only like a half hour away from finishing the game. <laughs> so like I went around and like optimized my ranch. They added like these little like worker bee drones that will automate one task for you. And you can have two of them in an area. So like if you have one of them that is take food from tree, put in pens. And you have another one that's like take shit out of pens and put it in storage. You suddenly have a completely automated section of your ranch, uh, which is super cool. But I spent a ton of time doing that and then walked outside and basically beat the game so oh no i can't say enough good things about slime rancher it's a fun game and the most recent game i've been playing is called haven which i found because one of my favorite synthwave composers did the soundtrack for it and i'm like oh i should pick up this game and it went on sale recently like i should go play this game it's basically a visual novel with a skate simulator in the middle of it, it it's kind of weird and also like a cooking simulator but it's like fully voice acted and it's super cute it's about these two people who escaped like a super oppressive like monoculture in space and crash landed on a planet and now they're like learning how to skate and cook skate and cook oh it's like them learning how to like be in a relationship while also like establishing themselves as individuals and like it's that part of a relationship that doesn't get talked about very much where you'll like have to like, you fell together really hard, and now you had to, like, break apart and, like, be individuals again, and it's, like, that stage of a relationship, while also they're stuck together and have no other people to talk to. It's very interesting. It also adorable, so. I don't know why that reminded me of the fact that I played both KOTOR games since we last recorded this <laughs> podcast. I played all the way through both of them. They're still really good. I like them. Because of all the romancing options, obviously. Clearly. So anyway, that is the the giant list of things I have been playing. What have you been up to, Jerry? Oh, well, the last thing, also the thing that you <laughs> I and I thought you were saving it for. Uh, me. Yeah, I I was. Um, also, a bunch of vampire survivors. But Jeremy, you can talk about vampire survivors. Uh, well, you were in my lead in, but I, I guess <laughs> I, what I'll say is that if I paid twenty dollars for vampire survivors, it would be the best money I've spent on a video game in probably ten years. <laughs> uh, vampire survivors um, is marketed at five dollars, and I got it twenty percent off for four dollars. <laughs> Vampire, it's really fun. Yeah, Vampire Survivors is on Switch now. Tyler sent me a, a, a text that was like, The Pact, Jeremy, The Pact. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? As I groggily rolled over in my bed. And then I looked at a picture. And I was like, well, I have to boot up my Switch now by Vampire Survivors. <laughs> that, that that was uh, what I put in my calendar. It just said The Pact. So. <laughs> oh, I think it's because of the Switch. I remembered another game I picked up and played. What's that? Pikmin? Oh. Oh, how is it? Still fun. Oh, like, no, I didn't original play I played the original okay. Pikmin. Okay. I, bought, I bought one and two because they came in a combo pack. Um, I remember Pikmin 1 being hard. I beat it on my first try with everything without yep. using a guide or anything like that because I was just like, okay, so here's how I do this, 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 and this. But I think it's because when I first played it, I was like 10. Yeah, you can if you're just good at time management. Yeah, but... it requires skills, but it's, there's a lot of leeway in it if you know what you're doing or if you're just good at time management, like still, Tyler said. Still well worth the money I paid for it, I think, despite the fact that it's a only like an eight-hour game. Anyway, uh, Vampire Survivors is a 30-minute game. <laughs> that you can good. just play over it, and it over looked, and over again. It looked like fun when you guys played it together here today. I didn't join in because... Uh, Tyler didn't have a controller that was actually working. Um. So Vampire Survivors, if you haven't played it, is a Castlevania-themed twin-stick shooter, but you don't have control over when your weapons fire. They just fire on an automated timer depending on the weapon. And like, So wouldn't that make it a single-stick shooter? Yeah. I've been calling it a reverse bullet hell. You I, are the bullet hell. <laughs> eventually, you be, if you were going to win, you become the bullet hell. Also, it's a roguelike, though. As you are playing and killing enemies, you gain experience, and then you have unlocked different weapons, uh, and you are limited to six. The real crux of it, though, is you also have passive items, and they combine your other weapons to become much more powerful weapons if you survive long enough. And once you get to that point, you're pretty much stable. My one big criticism of the game is, like, my first dozen or so runs, I was figuring it out and having trouble. 
But then as soon as I finished a run, when I was preparing the speech, I had not lost a run since. That is not true anymore. I've lost a few trying weird builds or just doing dumb things or playing co-op with Tyler. Yeah, I was going to say, starting the uh, the character who starts with a pentagram is Oh, I've never lost challenge. her. Well, the, the Sailor Moon uh, based character? Yep. Who's apparently named after the singer of the Italian theme song of Sailor Moon. What? <laughs> I, I was just going to say, um, you said doing dumb things and playing co-op with Tyler as though they are two different things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was that much of an anchor on no, that. No, so no. I, that just is give, just a hard level. I'm just giving you a hard time, my dude. I do think we should have stayed in our open area, but I've not played that level before. You, you so. did pin yourselves in kind of there. Yeah, well, we thought we were doing fine, so we went and off and explored, and it turns out that was a bad choice. Yeah, so I wasn't you ready needed for a little bit wave. more firepower. Yeah, you didn't have anything to clear, really. Like, you had no directional weapons, right? Yeah. So, it's a very, very fun game. I have 40 hours, and it's been out a week. Yeah, I was... Well, it's been... I thought it was two weeks. Well, it might be closer to two weeks. It, it was the 17th or the 19th. And it's it's about two weeks after that. So I also am at like almost 20 hours. And oh, no, it's a very fun game for five bucks. That's a, that's a pretty good dollar to enjoyment ratio, yep. which isn't a perfect measure anyway. It also like it does a really good or good job of like dripping out upgrades at a very pleasing rate. It feels very late 90s, early 2000 in its unlock structure, right? To the point where even if you buy the DLC, it doesn't just give you the characters, right? You have to actually earn them still, yep. which is what I want, because what I want to pay for is more vampire survivors, not just some characters. But it does a very good job of unlocking stuff. There's like unlock methods you haven't even unlocked, Tyler. That's exciting to <laughs> me, actually. Um, and I'm only through about half of the unlocks the game is even willing to tell me about right now. Yeah. So there's a, in addition to the unlocks menu, there's a secrets menu <laughs> you get later. Why? I'm not complaining, though. I like this game enough that I'm going to do it. The so. only issue that I can think of with something like that is that once you get everything unlocked, it's like, neat. Now what? I mean, at that point, you will probably have put like 50 or 60 hours into the game. Like, that's it. I think that is enough vampire survivors, honestly. Yeah, I'm beginning to cool on it a little myself. I unlocked Endless Mode the other day and had a two hour run uh, <laughs> uh, that I then was like... I learned that the switch will turn itself off even if it's docked because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to leave this overnight and see how long I get. That's actually a setting on the switch you can turn off. But I, I figured, but it got to 200 minutes <laughs> uh, and turned off. <laughs> that that kind of reminds me of the time you came over to my place while I was playing Firefight and ODST. And you're like, you have been playing this one game of Firefight for longer than I've been awake. Yep, that happened once. So uh, the other game I've been playing is my PC died. So not Final Fantasy 14 <laughs> anymore. But I was going to say, how's that feel? Uh, not good. Okay. Uh, Tyler, I, I decided that I was going to stat all of the mobile seats from the wo near war in Mechton Zero, a system, or in Mechton Zeta, a system I'm not playing a tabletop game in. Could a depressed person do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme with the butterfly. Is yeah. this motivation? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, which made me decide, I guess I want to play Gear and Greed. I swore off that game forever, but. <laughs> They've been the person translating it has done more in the last six years. And so it's more translated. And I was like, I'm going to do a Xeon run. I never do that. Oh, but it's more translated. I should see what they did to the Federation campaign <laughs> and play the Federation campaign like always, which was good because I made some dumb mistakes and got pushed back. But now I think everything's about gravy. All Xeon has left is Africa and space. <laughs> I should play Garen's Greed sometime. I think I played it once way back when, but... I when it was like... still all in Japanese? Yeah. I lost our Pokemon file in the great explosion of my computer. Oh, no! Yeah. But if you wanted to stream some Garen's Greed while I am Jiminy Cricket over your shoulder, that might be fun. <laughs> I was actually just thinking the other day, like, I've been really busy recently. I'm like, we should play Pokemon again sometime. It didn't occur to me that your computer exploded. It largely took our D&D &D game with it, too. <laughs> That's a travesty. Yes. I'm, I'm like, look, can a depressed person do this? <laughs> I am also on the hook to play some Baldur's Gate with some people at some point. So I will I will see when time aligns. I'm assuming well, that's three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I told you guys, I thought I had played Baldur's Gate before. No, I've only ever played Dark Alliance. It turns out that's a very different game. So. I think that's the only one I've played, too. I don't think I've played any of them. 
You never played Dark Alliance with us? I don't think so. I mean, it might have just be like or been uh, me and Zach and Chris. I feel like I have put hundreds of hours into Baldur's Gate in my basement with you guys. Yeah, but that seems like a thing you and Zach and Chris talked about a lot. That is fair. <laughs> I mean, it might have been one of the nights that we we were all hanging out, and you just don't remember because we did go through quite a few different games at the time, and there were only a few of them that came up more than once. Obviously, Guitar Hero did a lot. Yep. That Naruto game came up a weirdly <laughs> large amount of time. What was it, like Ultimate Ninja Storm 3 or something like that? That was, was before they two? added all of the adjectives. Yeah, it okay. wasn't quite survival of the subtitles yet. <laughs> uh, that was, if I remember right, that was also really early Wii. That was a PlayStation 2 game, but Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 2 was on the Wii. And that that is a brilliant anime game. <laughs> or as it's called in Japan, Dragon Ball Z Sparking. And I wish they had kept that. <laughs> title it's not in the english theme song though is the problem no, no so and they wanted to leak it to the budokai games even though they were completely unrelated and by different developers marketing wise they wanted to continue that through line i think that does it for what i've been playing though so let's talk about majora's mask the where space does it fit in the zelda type or like fandom do you think tyler because like i feel like people talk about majora's mask all the time and lovingly but like it's something no one talks about <laughs> I, I feel like it's a thing that people feel like no one ever brings up, but people are always bringing up. I do feel that. Isn't it one of the games that's in kind of a weird situation for Zelda in that it's a direct sequel to a previous Zelda game? That's weird, but it's not weird. That's more like an uncommon card in your pack of Zelda trading <laughs> cards, that situation. Not really a rare, because Wings Awakening is that, Zelda 2 is that. Phantom Hourglass is that. The big thing, and this is also maybe just an uncommon card, is that it reuses all the assets from Ocarina of Time. That um, I remembered. And they, don't they play with that? They do a pretty good job playing with that. Because originally this was going to be a Nintendo disk drive expansion for Ocarina of Time before they abandoned that and changed its development direction. Probably for the better. Yeah, I do, what the heck was the Nintendo disk drive? Did you not know about the Nintendo no. disk drive? It was a disk drive add-on for your N64. No, notable <laughs> titles for it include Animal Crossing and Animal Crossing. Yeah, I was... Okay. <laughs> Basically, when Nintendo realized that, oh, crap, discs are actually really good and PlayStation is doing bank. Oh, it turns out cartridges are way more expensive to produce. Who knew? Uh, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I will preface this by saying Majora's Mask is probably my favorite Zelda game, but I don't think it is the best Zelda game by any stretch, especially after having played it again recently. I mean, it's been a long time since I played most Zelda games, because I'm not a big Zelda guy, as most people probably know. But I feel like Twilight Princess would probably grab my attention a little bit better than this one did. Yes and no. Uh, a lot of Zelda games have this issue, but I think I find it worse with Majora's Mask. But Twilight Princess is a game I always want to replay and don't because of this, which is the opening segments are so long and involved. And that's great when you're playing it for the first time and you're seeing all the set pieces for the first time. But man, does it ruin my enthusiasm for going back to them. And Majora's Mask is the worst of those because it traps you as the Deku Scrub, which has a completely different and limited set of mechanics. Whereas Twilight Princess, at least you're playing the normal game, even if you have a limited set of tools. Although the Twilight Princess one is longer. And then the Skyward Sword one is even longer than that. Well, I mean, I've replayed Persona 5 multiple times, so I'm... Good with long introductions. <laughs> well, and Persona 5 has a very long introduction that is probably the biggest impediment to recommending that game, right? It is the biggest issue with that game is how long it takes to play. But the Zelda ones are different in my mind because the Zelda ones are always playable sections that you have to play through and play different. Whereas the Persona 5 one is just a lot of text with some tutorial, right? It's a, a, most of its story and to and like you said, tutorialize, which is a lot more like it can kind of turn your brain off for that if you've done it before. Well, right? it's a little frustrating for some of it in that game because they tutorialize some of it in a in like the prologue segment, and then they tutorialize it again <laughs> in the beginning of the game, and you're like, but why? Also, anyway, we're not talking about Persona Five. Also, my fun Majora's Mask story. I own a card of this game, but it is broken in such a way that it believes all of the items in the game are the Ocarina of Time. So I cannot get <laughs> past the first. I can't even get to the opening segment because when I try to shoot slash the bushes with my sword to chase the skull kid at the very beginning, Link pulls out the Ocarina of Time. <laughs> <laughs> so all the items, including the sword, yes. are an Ocarina. That <laughs> and the shield. That is a very interesting and weird way for the cartridge to break. Yes. <laughs> 
I knew yours was broken in some way, but I didn't think they. I thought they were all the Deku scrub for some reason, not the not the ocarina. No, um, Deku scrub. I don't. I think I would still be stuck, but it would be more interesting. So that's my biggest frustration with Majora's Mask is how long the opening is, and there are other ones we'll get to. But like, what is unique about Majora's Mask? Because a lot of people will say the tone, right? And it is pretty unique, but I feel like it shares it with Twilight Princess, with Zach brought up. Yes, well, kind of that no. maudlin, um, de- kind of depressed tone. For me, it's a combination of the tone and like the specific details that enforce that. Like it dwells a lot on the concept of death and what it means to be remembered, and like that's not a subject that Twilight Princess really gets into very much, right? Yeah, they're more in like what what does it mean to have a legacy, which is related but different. Yes, like because I was gonna bring up the sword, the skull swordsman, and. Twilight Princess, what touches on that. But you're right, it is more about legacy. Isn't um, that guy supposed to be the link from Ocarina of Time, or is that just... We don't have time for Zelda theory right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is always my read on it. No, th- my favorite thing about Ocarina is like how much it like dwells in what it means to... You mean to... Majora's Mask? Oh, did I say Twilight Princess? You said, you said Ocarina. Ocarina. <laughs> well, same game, basically. Uh, no, no, the thing I like about... O- or, um, I almost did it again, Majora's Mask, is that how much it dwells on... like just weird things like there's like that couple of sisters who are dancing and like trying to figure out a dance routine and like the only way they can learn it is by inheriting it from the spirit of a ghost who just wants to see his like legacy live on right and there's way more courage the cowardly dog in Majora's Mask than there is Twilight Princess right (laughs) it's also true yeah that's not a metaphor I expected to make today (laughs) but I think it does answer my question because the bit I am always obsessed with the way that the Malin stand-in acts if you uh, let her get abducted by the aliens. Like, that, for whatever reason, is the moment from this game that just really stuck with me in a similar way. Yeah, where she's just, if you don't save her, she's basically just like a mindless husk. Yeah. Um, It's very interesting. Like, or the fact that you can be chased by undead assassins or, like, there are two guys who, like, really like the undead assassins. And they do everything to sabotage people on their name. Um, the, the band that lost their guitarist and only the woman who can't speak knows that you're not him. I don't know. There's just like a lot of weird. Like it all adds up to just a really unique experience. And it's like a, a much denser world than Ocarina was, which is why I tend to like it a little bit more than Ocarina. Yeah, I always preferred Ocarina to Majora's Mask, and I still do after this playthrough, but they're super different games in approach, right? And so I like that they're basically identical games in terms of mechanics, right? You have the same sword, your tool sets are very similar, because you have the masks in Majora's Mask, it opens it up a little bit, but those end up being like, they're, instead of a funny key, they're a funny set of keys. Yep. <laughs> um, they're they're, they're a funny, funny key, key ring. ring. Yeah, effectively. But I always prefer the like straightforwardness of ocarina of time because majora's mask is an open world right if you're going through the plot but it is if you're doing all the side quests which it wants to encourage you to do with things like the journal and i've always loved the groundhog day aspect of majora's mask and always wanted more games to steal that because i think it really gets at something i enjoy about video games it's something i enjoy about roguelikes now like vampire survivors and it's something we talked about in the early days of this podcast I really like going back and playing old games like Super Mario Brothers that don't have saves. And if you lose, you have to go back to the beginning because then you get to master those early levels, right? And it lets the developers hide all sorts of secrets in them because it doesn't matter if you missed them. When you play the level a hundred times, you're going to find them and then you're going to be excited to keep going there and you'll feel like you're cheating when you find the one up or the skip through the level that you didn't know about the first time. The the trade-off being that it, some would argue it wastes your time by sending you back there, right? And we've come up with all sorts of modern ways to get that feeling. I mentioned roguelikes. Everybody wants to suck Dark Souls off because of how well it does this mastery (laughs) element by doing it in segments, right? And there's lots of good to it. But Majora's Mask has it by having you go back. And like, it's very similar to Dark Souls in that way of like, once you accomplish a section, you never have to go back to it, right? Although it has different ideas of like what it means yeah. to accomplish well, something, like certainly it's it's like Dark Souls in a very abstract way. Yeah, but like if you want to go back to like an area and like do some stuff, often you'll have to go kill the boss, and I think that is actually a huge weakness of this game is that if you want to explore an area, you do have to waste five to ten minutes every single play or three day cycle killing the boss again. That is kind of an unfortunate situation that everything resets, but at the same time for kind of that feeling of actually going and fully resetting the world you kind of have to bring them back i, I would 
I would much prefer if you could just go, like, because also the masks you get from the bosses are permanent items, and I wish you could just, like, go flip a switch, basically. I wanted to go a different way with that, but since Zach brought up the point of the feel of it, I think it's good to hammer on that. That is the weakness of this game, right? It wants you to be invested in that feel, and that takes away so many creature comforts and nice things. That's the reason I didn't like it as much as Ocarina when I was a kid, was the save system in this is so opaque, because you can only save on a reset. Uh, or when you get to an owl statue, but that's basically a safe state. And as someone whose mother would stop them from playing video games whenever she wanted, it was very frustrating to not know how long I was going to get with this game before I might have to reset. And so it's so much nicer to play on modern hardware where there are save state options or options to just put the game to sleep wherever you are and pick it up later. It's way more fun to play that way, but it still has some of those problems. I always think of the super long wedding side quest right where if you mess up any part of that you have to start up sort of from the beginning same yep. with the alien one i referenced earlier which doesn't have as much setup but it does have the same punishment and so many parts of it are tedious and i love the loop for like watching a guy's schedule and figuring out the puzzle of when do i intercede that's super fun yeah but- i was gonna say the the groundhog day element of it specifically of like learning everyone's routine and figuring out like what things you need to do to make their life better. Yeah, and like super cool. And knowing you'll get another chance next time and you can go do something else as the days are going on. But all the setup that you have to do every single run is, like you said, extremely tedious. I, I think that is what made me fall out of love with the game a little bit on this playthrough, is like, oh man, I forgot how much time I had to spend doing this one thing four different times. And like, ah, uh, like the Goron race. Ah, uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I got very close to basically finishing the very first part of this game which is you know i finished the first cycle right and i just was like i will pause this because i'm not really having a lot of fun with this well pause i'll come back to it i just didn't come back to it and i think that's in large part because you don't like zelda games and because you didn't pay 60 dollars for this game so you're not invested in seeing it through but i can't blame you for it because like i said at the start the reason i went so long on the opening is I think Zelda openings are mostly bad, which is weird because they're so important to the games and the setup, and I don't want them gone, but man, I wish there was a skip option. Exactly. I was. I feel like there's a lot of games like that where I'm just like, can I just kind of skip the opening sequence and go to play the game? Well, it would be fine on the first time you play pretty much any game that has this, right? Like, it's just on any time you replay it, you're like, this is not the part of the game I'm here for. Some of them right? do duck it. Bioware games have a tendency to be pretty good about ducking it. I, I think there are plenty of examples, but I don't think it's most games. But playing through this Zelda game, I really realized, oh man, like I want to play Twilight Princess, but I don't want to do this part of Twilight Princess. I want to play Majora's Mask because Tyler pa- called it, but boy, do I not want to deal with this Deku scrub part. I think secretly this is actually why Oracle Seasons is one of my favorite Zelda games is because it you ju- just drops you right in. Same with There's... Link's Awakening, right? That's one of my favorites. Yep. And Ocarina of Time has an opening segment, but it's real brief, right? Unless you count the Deku Tree in that opening segment. And I don't. That's just a dungeon. Yeah, because they give you the sword you, pretty you have, early on. You have to go get the sword in the maze and you have to like... Buy chop, a shield. Yeah, chop enough trees to get 40 rupees, which is busy yeah. work, but it doesn't take... But it doesn't take you that It takes long. two minutes. Well, I, I think that's also, it's interesting to contrast it with Ocarina of Time also, because Ocarina is like a straight up adventure game in the way that Majora's Mask is not. Like the fact that they give you a notebook to like solve people's problems. And that's like the, the side quests are the point of the game, really. Yeah. So Majora's Mask is more of a puzzle game, whereas Ocarina of Time is more of an adventure game. I don't even know if puzzle is the right word, but it's not the wrong word. It's like for sure. It's an interaction game, right? It's like. Calling it a sandbox is wrong because that means something different in modern video games. But it was Nintendo thought of the term sandbox and like, how do we create that? And this is what they came up with. This world of characters that follow their own schedules and you interact with those schedules and figure out when is the time to do a thing. I think that's why I love it is like there are so many characters and they all interact differently. And like some of them don't really matter, right? Like the bomb shop people don't really matter. That's just there for a heart piece. But there are so many things that just like, especially around the marriage quest line, there are like so many things that you could just miss, even if you play the game like five times. Oh no, the fact that it is a dense interconnected world like that is really cool. And I would love to see a competent modern take on that. 
But if you're, I don't want to say a speedrunner because that also means something different. But if you're a person who just wants to come into a game for a, the main plot to just like see what's on the bone, right? Majora's Mask is so inferior to Ocarina of Time. And that's because you're playing it wrong. But you're coming to it for probably a similar experience to Ocarina of Time. Since as yeah, you why said, would you not? It's right? basically the same game. I mean, it looks very similar. So obviously your first inclination would be, oh, this is just going to be another game like Ocarina of Time. And they've never really made another Zelda game like this, right? I would argue Breath of the Wild is the closest in the just like going around, screwing around with stuff. But even then, that feels more like that feels more connected to the main game. Whereas they almost feel separate in this. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about Majora's Mask. Camera controls suck. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, it's an early uh, N64, well, not maybe not early, but it's an N64 third-person game. Of course the camera sucks. I, we talked about this with Ocarina of Time, but since it's the same game, there are so many camera problems Ocarina of Time has that no video game after has because everyone played Ocarina of Time and was like, <laughs> ooh, that's a problem. We're not going to let that happen in our game. Still not the worst camera I've ever had in a video game. No, that's fair. Dino Crisis 3 still has <laughs> that uh, that dubious honor. Are, are we ready for final thoughts? I think so. I'm also I, just trying to compose them. I mean, Fierce Deity Mask is pretty cool. It's a cool <laughs> reward if you 100% this game. It does have the sort of weird problem where there's nothing for you to really use it on because you've beaten the game. But it does make you really powerful, and it's one of the coolest feeling rewards. I've had for a 100%ing a game. It's got a rough start. That's really all I can say. But at least on the Switch, if you have that thing, it's... I was going to say it's one of the better games. But then I remembered you've got Star Fox. Kirby is on there. The Crystal Shards. I think Ocarina of Time is also in there. So it's not even one of the top three games available on their virtual console. Yep. Especially because GoldenEye is also in there. Oh, no. I, th I think what sticks with me is a lot of the set pieces in this game and just how, like, weirdly poignant it is for a Nintendo game. I mean, it's something I culturally reference in my day-to-day -day life. I will joke about Dawn of the Third Day all the time. And, like, that moon is so striking, right? We didn't even talk about the fact that the fucking moon <laughs> falls on you in this game if you get to that game over sequence. And that's so powerful and poignant. Like, and that giant face on it in the sky and everyone looking up at it. I do really like the tone of this game. I, I was thinking specifically in the Econo Valley, there's that girl who's like trapped in her house with her dad who has become an undead that she locked in her closet. And she's just stuck with that unless you help her. And like the only way you help her is like by nearly being eaten alive in the same room with her. And like, it's such a cool scene. And it me means basically nothing to the overall story. And I think that's actually one of its biggest weaknesses is like all of these things you can do to f affect a particular timeline mean nothing. Yeah, it's weird how poignant my Courage the Cowardly Dog metaphor that I pulled out of nowhere feels to me the more I think <laughs> about it. Because it's like a series of Courage episodes, right? They don't really interconnect at all, but they all thematically connect. They all feel like they're the same thing and they're all kind of cool. Some will probably stick with you more than others. Yep. But now, it, a weirdly apt comparison. So Very much so. I would agree with that. All right. Uh, shall we rank Majora's Mask on our list? Sure. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can check out where, where we have ranked every video game we've played from best to worst. At the top, we have Chrono Trigger, uh, a game with a Toriyama art. At the bottom, we have City Connection, a game with no art. <laughs> Dead in the center, we have Blades of Steel. Blades of Steel. <laughs> ha! Got it right. Uh, Ocarina of Time is the place to go, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's worse. Yeah, I have Ocarina. a hard time recommending Majora's Mask over Ocarina, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's unanimous. How do we think it compares to the original Legend of Zelda? The original Legend of Zelda. That, they are such different games. That is a very hard comparison. They are. The first I, one also has a similar unfocused feeling. I think I prefer the original, though. I think I actually agree, <laughs> which is oh, weird. Okay, but... I was going to fight for Majora's Mask here, but I will uh, cede to you, the two of you. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not like I think that's my that's my knee jerk reaction. I my my problem, I think, is that on average, I prefer adventure as a feeling. Like, there's a reason Wind Waker is my favorite Zelda game, um, as I mean, opposed to Majora's Mask, which I often think is my favorite. Zelda game. For me, it's kind of along the lines of, how do you start the original Zelda? You walk into a cave and a guy goes, here's a sword. Go kill some stuff. Yeah, go do it. 
over a hundred places down, we have our next Zelda game, Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. Um, another direct sequel Zelda game. That's weird. Yeah, it would be. It would take a miracle, I think, to convince me that Zelda Two <laughs> is better than Majora's Mask, though. I'm certainly not going to try. <laughs> Zach is making contemplative faces, but. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of... I, th- I think I would have to say Majora's Mask. I think it's a bit better than, than Zelda 2. So now I'm at the spot where I have no idea what to compare this to. Okay, here's another sequel with tone. and we're, <laughs> With tone. <laughs> we're talking about some other things. That, another one no one likes. How do we think it compares to Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest? The game where they lie to you, famously. Famously. Th- that I like more than any other human in the world, I think. And weirdly, it has grown on me over time. Like, let me preface this uh, by saying Majora's Mask, um, no no challenge. But I think it is actually a surprisingly interesting comparison because there's a lot of just random shit you can go do in Simon's Quest that, like, doesn't affect anything. And it it feels like a denser, like, it is, for an NES game, one of the most complete worlds that isn't a JRPG. I think I give it to Majora's Mask as well. How do we think it compares to Devil May Cry? I would love to give you a big reason why I went to that, but I just looked, scrolled through all the games between them, and that's one that jumped out. Is like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that seems like a comparison point. Devil May Cry has a worse camera. It is, I think, more fun to play, but like... My knee-jerk reaction is Devil May Cry. I'm all about that navel gazy shit, though, and Devil May Cry has... Let me fool your dark soul with light. Uh, which it does. <laughs> Devil May Cry is just straight up an action game. It, its story is ancillary to what it's doing. Yeah, l- l- let me let me uh, clarify that. Let me fill your dark soul with light is not navel gazy shit. That <laughs> so um, I prefer Majora's Mask, which I think means the decision is on you, Jeremy. Yeah, and it's a tough one. My gut says Majora's Mask, and I'm gonna go with it. I don't have a good reasoning why, but I'm going for that reason. I'm gonna trust my gut. Well, I mean, that's sometimes all you can do is just go with your gut. God, I wish I didn't, given what we compare it to now, though. <laughs> uh, how do we think it compares to Super Mario RPG? Huh. Hmm. This you is know, really hard. My actually. knee-jerk reaction is Super Mario RPG, because in large part, they're both doing something similar. They're both taking familiar characters and putting them into new situations, right? And also an emo puppet. And Super Mario RPG is actually branching out of its own little world, you know, like Bowser can be on your team, for instance, and, and stuff like that. And I think just the general gameplay, I think I would prefer Super Mario RPG than Majora's Mask, even though Majora's Mask is probably doing something a bit more interesting with its day recycle than, Major- than uh, Super Mario RPG, which is kind of just acting as a Final Fantasy game. I think I have to agree with Zach, actually, and I think the reason is Super Mario RPG actually has a legacy in a way that Majora's Mask just kind of doesn't, and as as fond as I am of Majora's Mask, I also really like Super Mario RPG, and there are so many games that don't exist, I think, without that. Is Super that, Mario RPG legacy Paper Mario? In many ways. And, and uh, Superstar Saga, I don't think would have happened otherwise. Um I don't know. There's also a lot of stuff that, like, Kingdom Hearts arguably maybe doesn't happen otherwise. I think it does, but it's probably a bit different. Because you know the origin story of Kingdom Hearts, right? Very vaguely. I'm sure we talked about it. I think you told us. Square wanted to make a big platformer, but they're like, how do you compete with Mario? You would need to have Disney. Square Enix office was in the same building as uh, Tokyo Disney. So they they had that in. How do we think it compares to Kirby Superstar? Which one Interesting. is this? Uh, the Super Nintendo one that's like eight games in one. Uh, I would say its big gimmick is that you can turn your power up into a little helper for you. Also, it's got like 30 power up abilities, which is kind of on the high end for a Kirby game. It's my favorite Kirby game. It is also my favorite Kirby game. I um, and do not remember this one. As as a big Kirby fan, I'm going to say Majora's Mask. <laughs> I cannot remember this Kirby game. So I think Zach's deferring for now. What are your thoughts, Jeremy? I See, I want to say Kirby Superstar is better, but just because the stuff we have to compare it to if I don't <laughs> makes, gives me existential dread. But I think Majora's Mask is a better game. But, and you're the more Kirby Superstar fan. So even if I'm on the fence, you saying oh, Majora's Mask is better genuinely holds weight to me in this. And I can't even remember this Kirby game. How does Majora's Mask compare to Street Fighter 2? I personally prefer Majora's Mask, and I think that's about as far as I can go. It's the got problem a lot is, less legacy. 
Yeah, I was going to say, the problem is, like, Street Fighter 2 is such an influential game, and it's pretty dang good on its own right. I think, based on the fact that this is the original Street Fighter 2, not any of the added adjectives, different versions of Street Fighter 2 that came out in, like, the three or four years that it came that the game existed, right? Yeah, the thing is, I don't know that those extra adjectives make the game better. That's like a bunch of expansion packs, if we're being honest. Like, Turbo literally just doubles the speed of everything. Well, I mean, that's kind of my my point it's baseline i'm trying yeah. to remember i'm trying yeah, to recall yeah. exactly what i'm looking at here i think just baseline nothing no frills no nothing i think majora's mask even though street fighter got itself a an actual like full-blown franchise kind of from this game mostly because i think majora's mask is trying to do some more new interesting thing yeah i was gonna say also that majora's mask i think is more interesting in a vacuum than street fighter how do we think Majora's Mask compares to Mario Tennis? <laughs> this is the better. If you'd gone below, I would have had more dread than asking this question. This is going to sound a little weird. I think Mario Tennis is a better game than Majora's Mask. In part because Mario Tennis is available on the Switch Virtual Console, and I played it willingly. <laughs> no, that's that's a criteria. Um, I, weirdly, I feel like this is kind of the right neighborhood. They um, came out the same year. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much more going on in Majora's Mask. I can't, I can't not give it to it. Um, <laughs> this is the hell we have wrought for Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, the thing, like Zach's willingness argument is, you know, facetious, but Mario Tennis doesn't have that bad opening. And like, I think I gotta give it to Mario Tennis. So the final question becomes: Is Majora's Mask better or worse than Vigilante Eight? Huh. I mean, Vigilante 8 is a lot of fun. Um, Pure fun factor. I say Vigilante 8. Now, getting to the design factor. Do I actually believe that? I don't think I do. I think Vigilante 8 is more fun. But again, on the innovation side and trying to do something new and interesting, Vigilante 8 is just a play on Twisted Metal. I was just say, can we talk about the fact that there is a Twisted Metal TV show streaming now on Peacock? Oh, dear what? God, I saw commercials for that, and I thought it was somebody's joke. I have to give it to Majora's Mask being better than Vigilante 8, despite the fact that I find Vigilante 8 more fun because Majora's Mask is trying to do more. I think there are also different types of fun. Like, Majora's Mask is a lot about, like, inspecting a world very closely, and that's satisfying to my dumb engineer brain. Whereas uh, Vigilante 8 is just blow some shit up. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love arcadey nonsense, um, but I, I, I think I also have to give it to Majora's Mask. So Majora's Mask is at number 74, above Vigilante 8, and below Mario Tennis. <laughs> I didn't realize Vigilante 8 was that high on the list. We just barely escaped comparing it to Tetris. <laughs> we just barely escaped that hell for me. I'm I'm a little sad it's that low, but also that's not that low. So you, you said you thought it was the right neighborhood. Yeah, it does I go mean, below Doom too, and that hurts my soul a little bit. But it, that is the top third of the list. Yeah, I say Doom Two is just slightly worse. Doom and Doom is a pretty damn good game. So I mean, hell, I think that's the top quarter of the list. With that out of the way, Zach, what are we playing next week? So I have very fond memories of the Age of series. And they did a weird, like, side project involving a lot of, uh... Pegasi? Pegasus and Minotaurs and Trolls. So what we're going to be doing, in part because we're pretty sure it's one of the games that will run on Jeremy's laptop, uh, we're going to play Age of Mythology. The I extended played edition. A child. So we're going to be playing the extended edition on Steam, if people, you know, want to play it along with us. We are not going to be using or getting the Tale of the Dragon DLC. I guess unless you guys really want to. I'm not going to. <laughs> but So this will also contain the Wrath of the Titans expansion. If it's called Wrath of the Titans. But it had an expansion. It will be in the extended edition that we're going to play. So next time on Last Time, hey, why isn't Xena in this game?